Well, I've never preached in a tutu before. <laughs> kind of regretting that decision, Ron, to make this pulpit so small. <laughs> a little extra fluffy on me. Marty said, yours is bigger than mine. And I think she made it that way on purpose. So we, we are in the midst of our worship series where we've been celebrating our 150th anniversary around our theme, Rooted, Grounded, and Growing in Love. It's, impress, it's impressive. That for 150 years, our church has been right here in this community. And 147 years, we've literally been on this ground. 701 Main Street. You can see old maps of the area with a little box that says Christian Church. Before there was a hardware store or city state bank, there was Norwalk Christian Church. A lot has happened on this dirt A lot of lives changed, community events, weddings and funerals, worship, communion, fellowship, and a whole lot of coffee has been drunk. Kelly Davis has been coming through our church archives and found the information on our own land. It used to be where Cassidy's land. If you're following uh, the blog that she started on our church history, uh, we learned a little uh, this morning. She posted an article about where Cassidy's daughter Uh, One of our early church members as well. But he was one of our founding members, actually a great, great grandparents of the Dessenbergs that lived down the street. Uh, And Cassidy gave us this land, deeded it to our church. And we've been here ever since. Staying in place. Staying is not something people do much anymore. I had the privilege last week of helping with a, a house meeting training with Amos. And I was with some neighborhood association leaders for some communities that are kind of right north of downtown Des Moines. And they're looking at the future. If you know where the Grub Community YMCA, these are the neighborhoods that kind of surround that area. And they're looking at the future of that Y and the land that used to be Dowling High School back in the day. They're trying to build community relationships across these neighborhood dividing lines. So they can build some power so that they can go to the city and influence what's going to be done in their community. And we were kind of teaching them about how to do that. And they were sharing their story in the room. And there were people who had lived in that neighborhood for decades. Some of them their whole lives. Some of their families had been there for generations. I've never lived somewhere that long. This is the seventh place I've lived And Norwalk is the place we've lived together as a family longer than any other place since we've been married, I guess, uh, when we grew up. But talk about being grounded in a community for generations as they shared their hopes and dreams for their neighborhood. They talked about what it used to be like, the place where they grew up and how they felt the city had abandoned their neighborhoods. Businesses had moved out. They talked about the theater that used to be on the at the corner and the restaurant that used to be around the way and the and the bar that was a little shady and probably good that it's gone and the gas station on the corner where they could fill up and get some snacks and Dowling High School which sat right in the center of it all all those institutions businesses organizations were gone and they felt ignored and yet in the midst of it all said we're not going anywhere This is our community and we're here to make it better. They were grounded. Now, as our kids shared in the children's sermon, we learned early on that that word grounded can have some different connotations. That was one of my parents' favorite choice methods for discipline. 
Grounded was never a good thing. It means you couldn't go out with your friends. You couldn't watch TV. You couldn't play video games. You couldn't even talk on the phone with your friends and kids. That's what you do when you pick up the phone and put it to your ear and there's no video. Just their words. No FaceTiming. No talking on a phone. You're just stuck in your room, as Roscoe said. Nothing to do but stare at the wall. Eventually, boredom kicks in. You start doing something, drawing. You hadn't drawn in forever. You start playing with some long-forgotten toys that you're kind of too old to play for, but you still kind of want to play with them. You start listening to music or just sitting there and imagining your mind taking you far out of the room. Being grounded forces you to do the things that you never would have done to focus, to even become creative, grounded. Now, that's a word that every plane flying in the United States on September 11th, 2001, received. They were grounded. The entire airspace in the United States and Canada came to a halt for several days. Flights were diverted to the closest airports that could handle the traffic. There's a lot of stories that emerged from that period, but none have captured our attention more than the story that came out of the small Canadian town of Gander. In Newfoundland. The town was our size, about 10,000 people, but the airport, an old World War II uh, airbase, had recently been upgraded. They were going to become a stop for transatlantic flights to, to gas up. And so this small town was able to bring in 38 different flights. Around 7,000 passengers landed on September 11th in Gander. And the whole town grounded to a halt. The story is told in a 2003 book, The Day the World Came to Town, and even more recently was adapted in a 2017 award-winning Broadway musical, Come From Away. One report of the event writes that when flyers stepped off their planes, Gander citizens were there meeting them with homemade bag lunches. The town converted its schools and large buildings into temporary shelters. Those Uh, When those lodgings filled up, citizens took strangers from all over the world into their homes. Medical personnel saw patients and filled prescriptions free of charge. And the passengers were blown away by the hospitality of Gander. The town's become a bit of a tourist attraction now. People coming to witness and see, are these people really that nice? In the midst of such great human evil and tragedy, the best of who we can be sprung forward in Gander, a city filled with people grounded in love for one another. In our busy, transient, distracted society, it's hard to be grounded today. There's so much that pulls our attention away. We rarely stick around in one place anymore because our schools and jobs pull up our roots. We plant ourselves in new places until we have to then uproot again, always on the move, looking for something new, maybe something better. Permanence is temporary. Yet in this moment of transience, it is surprising that there is this growing interest in our roots. Ancestry sites like Ancestry.com, 23andMe are more popular than ever for a fee. You can spit your DNA in a little vial and mail it to people, and they will tell you your roots. 
where you came from, the ground where your ancestors used to live, your DNA haplogroups, and even discover the kind of Neanderthal you are. You can ground yourself in history even when you have no roots in the ground around you. Of course, humans have always been on the move. That's nothing new. That's something you learn when you study your ancestors. We've all come from immigrants, those who did so by choice and many uprooted by force, enslavement, famine and disease, always moving, looking for new places. We're always on the move. And it can be argued quite persuasively that everything around us, no matter how old it may be, is temporary. But in the midst of the moves, changes, and innovations, it does us well to just stop and be grounded for a moment. Maybe we should ground ourselves, quite literally go back to our rooms, old school style, shut off the screen, silence the devices, and just be alone with our thoughts, rediscovering our roots. Where did we come from? The Apostle Paul knows this need well. He's sort of in the midst of this letter to the Ephesians, grounds them all. His world is quickly changing, and the gospel is something that's new and it's on the move. The church in Ephesus is a new church, just a few years old, the first Christians of, of any kind in that city. Some of the people in that church had been Jews, so they kind of knew some of the stories, but most were part of various primitive pagan religions, and this was all very new. But now they're a part of Christ, Paul says. And so Paul grounds them in the tradition. They're no longer strangers or aliens, he tells them, no longer migrants or foreigners. You are citizens. You have a home. You're a part of a community. You are grounded in this long story of God's love. In this story, you find your home. And it may be a new home to you, but this isn't a new house. This is the household of God. You've, it's been grounded for years since Christ's apostles, which was just a few years before Paul's writing. But long before that, all the way back to the ancient Hebrew prophets, God's been doing something. God's been doing a new thing for quite some time. Now, the irony of staying grounded in one place is that even though you may never move, everything around you seems to move. The community changes even though you've been here for a long time. Children grow up and move away. Your life evolves. Businesses close. New ones arrive. Friends pass away. Churches steeped in tradition look so different. The saints that were sitting in the pews when you arrived are now gone, replaced by people who just walked in the door. It's hard staying grounded, watching everything change around you. But there's more happening here. And the apostle lets us in on God's developmental plans. There's a new structure arriving in town, the apostle announced right here. Upon a 150-year-old foundation of love, God is building something permanent. God is building a dwelling place for God. Right here, the scripture says, you, us, being built into the dwelling place of God. The world may be moving, everything may be changing, but God is settling down. Right here, among us, God is building a dwelling place. That is called the church, grounding God's self among us. Think about that. God settling down with us. God's home in Norwalk, 
Christian church right here with you and I, with all communities of faith that are grounded in God's love. And no matter what brought you to this dirt, if you're new or were born in this church, if your roots run deep or are still barely under the surface, you are well grounded. This history runs deep. The foundation is strong. The family goes back generation after generation. This is God's dwelling place. And though we may come and go, God is making God's home right here. And if we continue to be that dwelling place of God in this community, all we have to do to be God's people is remain grounded in that love. When the winds of change blow strong, when challenge comes our way, when new opportunity lands right here in our community, when needs arise, guess what? We know what to do. It's what we've been doing for 150 years. It's what's been going on in God's story since the beginning. This ground, it has history. A lot has happened on this dirt, but there's a lot more in store because this is truly holy ground. Not because we're 150 years old or because you or I have got it all figured out, but because among us, even on this day today, God's love is shared and all can become citizens of God's home, grounded in our true home, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. You, the people of God, are God's dwelling place. Believe it. Live it. For this is truly holy ground. Amen. Amen. And let us sing.